All right, welcome back to Identify. This is John speaking. And I'm Paul. And uh, today we are we are jumping back into in a second we're going to we're going to fade in the rest of our previously recorded conversation on postmodernism. Um, but first we're going to catch up a little bit and uh, kind of see how our weeks have been and uh, give a little bit of a summary of the conversation up to this point. So what's uh, what's new with you, man? Well, work's been pretty good, uh, as always. Um, definitely enjoying the new place I've been working for the last uh, five months. I have been working nights and days. That kind of uh, sucks and is never very fun. But mm. So like offset where you're like working late one day and got to be back early the next? Yeah, like the uh, last night I worked uh, a night shift, and then this morning I worked a day shift back-to-back with one another with about six hours of sleep in between, five hours of sleep in between. Dang. So the transition's a little bit of a suck, sucky thing, but uh, it is what it is, and then you get some days off. So these guys are good about giving us comp days when things are really uh, crazy. That's good. That's awesome. And how was your week? Um... Oh gosh. I'm trying to think of what I even did this week. What did I I don't know. I was feel like I was just kind of an average an average week of the usual ilk. And what exactly is ilk? Um which is great. It's right. I don't know. I, it's a it's a word I heard our dad use all the time. I'm not really sure what it means. I gotta, I don't think <laughs> the usual I stuff I guess. Dad used the word ilk. So this is fascinating. Was it so, I don't, I don't know. know. Where did I pick it up then? Uh, maybe it wasn't him. I don't know. Yeah, I guess the usual stuff. I, I just got off work myself, and so I'm a little tanked right now. I mean, I wait tables, so I spend my whole day And because to you work at a pub, and um, you're totally tanked here. at work, right? It's a tank, micro pub, brewery. Yeah, yeah. Massive tank. Yeah. Wow. No. We, we need a sound effect for like, for that. Out of curiosity, did they have pumpkin spice beer? Actually, they're doing the the pumpkin beer separate just for the months of October on like a rotating drafts. Oh, I had no 100%. idea it was pumpkin beer. It's like that's hilarious. Wow. Yeah, pumpkin spice <laughs> beer. Now, do they like get the beer to uh, somehow ferment or like the I don't know the honestly, pumpkin to ferment? I maybe it's just my palate. I have an easier time picking out the spice than the pumpkin. But some, I mean, some flavors kind of like mix with like the malt and the hop flavors that are already in the beer differently, and are some are just easier to to pick out than others. Um, but we kind of run the gamut, like literally everything from really really dark and like a, like a dark dark like coffee stout kind of thing that has like a really strong espresso note. Um, we have, we have a rum barrel aged imperial ale on rotator right now. It's a draft, and uh, we have to pour it in a, a nine ounce pour instead of a standard like sixteen ounce pour of it because it's thirteen point four percent ABV. It's oh, it's like Innocent Gun, which is my favorite beer ever. Is that a strong one too? There you go. There you Yo, go. that one is. That this is one is like one. it's like a glass of like stronger than a lot of glasses of wine. It's that intense. Yeah, we I'm run, like, sure it, everything from that to, like, the I'm, really, I'm, like, fruity, lighter end of the spectrum. Dude, 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 we're recording. You can't just come Oh, in. what's up, Zach? 
Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi, <Right>. Zach. <laughs> I have to do some editing now. Yeah. Or we can keep it in, I don't know. Or maybe not. Oh, he's just behind <laughs> you in the background, just chilling too. <laughs> that was me. That was me 25 years ago. It's for real. Let's just go ahead and recap real quick for the listeners what we talked about in the previous episode because it's been a couple weeks and just give them a sense of what it, where we were at in the conversation so that they are caught up when we pick up. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, so we were talking about postmodernism. The first thing we did was uh, define postmodernism. And I feel like we kind of settled on something of like basically just a lot of the ideas and the ideology that revolves around the concept of relative truth. Am I, am I missing anything there? I think that's... Yeah, relative there. truth. Um, you know, the, the emphasis on cynicism um, and, uh, you know, kind of doubt, uh, doubtfulness of everything. Um, and then right, right. because it's a doubtfulness of everything, it becomes a, a doubtfulness even of truth. So yeah, yeah something along those lines, yeah. uh, is pretty, it's, it's pretty much the simplistic how, like, definition of postmodernism. Yeah. No, you remind me of the English department at the state school I went to where it was like, it was almost like asking like the questions were more valued than the answers. Like you were allowed to ask questions, but you, it was kind of frowned upon to come up with answers. Yeah. Which just, and that's, that's just crazy. Which is kind of, yeah, it's, it's hard to get my head around, but honestly, like, the number of times that hurt my grade, I, I wish I was kidding. But Because it, you gave real. answers? Because I, well, in English, it was like, you, you can't, like, you're, like, not allowed to, like, presume. That it's, it's another, like, more kind of a postmodern idea. Maybe more specifically, it's like, you're, you're not supposed to, like, presume that what the author meant by something means anything. You're really just supposed to give your own interpretation independent of what the author meant by it. And you're like, well, that that doesn't make any sense, <clears throat> you know, because like the author didn't write this in a vacuum apart from his or her own like like purposes and what he meant by it, you know, well, which is like- kind of another element of postmodernism. That's interesting in light of some of the discussions I've had recently in church about uh, people who um, remove scripture from historical context. And wow. and so they, they say, well, this is the word of God. And so it's, it's beyond time. And I'm like, yes, but it was actually written in a time. So we actually have to understand the historical context of what is going on. Yeah, taking the Bible out of historical context, that's not helpful. I think I think my favorite example of, well, this will be a simpler example, and because we're tied on time, I'll share the other example some other time. But I think Jesus' parables, it might be the best example of why taking the Bible out of historical context is incredibly irresponsible interpretation, because... Just not only, not only like taking it aside from the fact that Jesus is using illustrations that would have had very specific meanings, like to the people in the cultural context in which he was, he knew which he was teaching. Aside from that, parable is a form of expression of Eastern thought. It's true. Jesus was an Eastern thinker. He wasn't a Western yep. thinker. Yep. So literally just like t- 
taking the Bible out of the context of the tradition of Eastern thought as Westerners is going to lead us to misinterpretation because we think it's very true. And we're raised differently and our cultures differently It's completely different. Mm hmm. Yeah. So that was a bit of a rabbit trail, maybe. That was a bit of a rabbit trail for an opening. And we didn't really talk about that in the last podcast, but uh, I think it definitely pertains to both these podcasts. Um, Yeah, just kind of illustrative of sort of the vein of thought of postmodernism. Another thing we touched on in the last one, I think, was kind of um, how the postmodernist thought is kind of a response to a lot of religion and like legalism. Yeah. Where like people experience these like this like lose lose situation of like either you're gonna get judged for being a, a snooty legalistic, you know, religious person or you're gonna get judged for being um like a you know a a sinner. So you're either like a sinner or a hypocrite. So you might as well just come up with your own truth is how a lot of people are landing in postmodernism. And I think we, we finished in like, um, basically how the extremism of kind of, of that kind of reaction, getting people into postmodernism, that like kind of reactionary, right. Which um, led leads us to discernment versus extremism. How discernment is a part of, of maturity and extremism isn't what were yoga pants. Yes. We talked about yoga pants and how that you wanted to wear yoga pants. That is probably, I will I never forget that. it. And I'm pretty sure we lost lo- listeners because of it, but, uh, you know, we're being real here. We're being well, maybe real. Maybe we gain some listeners. I mean, how do you know? That is true. That is true. I think our national numbers are up. Maybe word is spreading. Yeah. John in yeah. yoga pants. It's a not-so-secret <laughs> desire. I've just heard nothing about them other than that they are incredibly comfortable. Why would I not want to have that experience? It doesn't mean anyone has to be around to be exposed to, like, the visual. That is true. I'll just do that in the privacy of my there own you home. And you're In my own bedroom, away roommates. from my four roommates, so that they're not exposed to it either. <laughs> That wasn't specific enough, right. I realized. So, <laughs> so with so, that, this yoga, is strange thought. <laughs> We're going to spin into uh, yeah. part two of postmodernism. Hope you guys enjoy it as much as we enjoyed making it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when Christianity becomes a religion like that, it becomes a religion of works. Because immaturity can't figure out how to get relationship, so it only knows how to get relationship through works or by deeds. If you can't get your parents' attention because you're having a relationship with them, then you misbehave to draw their attention to you, so your works will cause some sort of, hey, see me, and now I feel important because I'm getting attention. The dichotomy of religion rebellion is the difference between the kid who throws a tantrum to get attention and the kid who, like, performs and does all of his chores perfectly to get attention. Exactly. It's the idea that, hey, uh, you know, I'm a Buddhist, so I'm going to follow the eightfold path towards righteousness. If I'm going to be a Muslim, I'm going to follow the Quran, and I'm going to follow it as well as I can. Um, it's the same thing. It's performing acts in the hopes of actually getting eternal life or in hopes of being reincarnated right. as a better creature or uh, or being going to heaven and yeah. having all kinds of virgins. Um <laughs> What you have is a situation where they're all they're all in the right. same basket at that point because they're all just things I have to do, things I have to believe in to appease the man upstairs 
who is strong and mighty yeah. and who can crush me at any time. It becomes a religion of fear. And I think that's, I think that's what a lot of people have experienced of Christianity. And I think that's what has led a lot of people into postmodernism is this idea of, well, and, and kind of away from Christianity, whether they were in it to begin with or not, you know, I think it's that idea of if you're just performing religious tasks, what makes yours better than anybody else's is kind of the question of right. postmodernism. And it's the, the desire for love because people don't, as much as people think they love fear, and there's all kinds of people I know who watch horror movies because at least they say, I love, I love the, the adrenaline it gets through me. At the same time, I also Oof. know at least one of or two of those people who talk about the fact that they can't go in their own basement alone or they can't go in their bedroom alone or they don't want to be home alone because now fear has a stronghold in their life. So to counteract that, people have postmodernism because postmodernism is basically the same idea as free love, just moved up a couple of decades. You're going to have to unpack that. <laughs> it's f- so free love means is basically you can have whatever lover you want. This was the this was the idea of the 70s. You can have whatever lo- lover you want. You can have them where, whenever you want. You can just love freely. It was the huh. idea. Um, but postmodernism is the same idea, except on a in a, mi- a different, slightly different mindset. In that, what whatever you love, right. you can love. Whatever you feel, you can. F- it's all. It all goes back to feelings <laughs> becoming supreme. Did you didn't look up that song, did you? Which song? The song I was quoting earlier. I did not. Because why? love, did love I? who you love is one of the lyrics of the chorus. Oh, okay. Look at me go. Look at right? me go. No, that makes sense. It's like instead of free love, it's free truth. Yeah. It's all a desire for free, for freedom. Right. But if they can't find freedom in that which should be exhibiting the ultimate of freedom, which is Christianity in its truest and naturalist and organic sense, then they'll look to find freedom somewhere else. If you look at the snake in the garden, what he was trying to convince Eve was that to get freedom, you had to eat the apple. Right. And she already had it. Because God was not entirely truthful. But at the same time, she had the truth and she had the freedom the whole time. Right. And it's, um, it's so interesting, too, because the thing, the thing that he was speaking against there, the thing that he was breaking down was relationship. Exactly. Like that was the temptation, the temptation in the garden was uh, was an attack against the trust that Eve had with the Lord. And it was honestly that's kind of why in looking at it from a real from a very theological standpoint, from a very like biblical looking standpoint, it's like po- postmodernism is a kind of it's 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 a kind of false gospel because it's a kind of false freedom. Yeah. And I think that that's I think that exhibits this like failure in society to really comprehend the difference between freedom and autonomy. Um, <clears throat> and I'll, uh, I'll unpack that mainly because I, I left you at a disadvantage because I left some bullet notes in our notes and I didn't tell you what they meant. <laughs> um, sorry. Unpack so, that for us, John. 
the difference between, but, but the difference between freedom and autonomy is like, and this, and this is in the church too. I was reading an article today of someone responding to people leaving the church. And I haven't, like, there have been a lot of announcements of people who were young theologians or young Christian musicians claiming, I'm no longer a Christian. Very popular right now. And it's been kind of a rash of them in the past, like, month or two. And that's a weird way to describe it, rash, but you know what I mean. And I have not heard a helpful response to that yet. Because people people don't just walk away from something like that for i i think people probably for one they walk away from something like that because they're wounded oh yeah i think a um, lot of us do with wounding and i think that if we as those who are still in the church can't respond to the fact that people have been hurt with compassion we're really missing it and we need to have that compassion in order to help anyone have any desire to come back but that's kind of beside the point. What I was getting at was I've, I've read this article and was talking about people who have like these major figures who are, you know, recognized names in Christian, in Christendom, leaving the church, um, for freedom. And they're, they're like, like jettisoning their faith as an act of freeing themselves from, from it as a, you know, as an act of freeing themselves, an act of gaining liberty. And I think, so not only is it in postmodernism in what we were just talking about it kind of in, in the world, but I think it's very much in the church. There is a lack of understanding of the difference between freedom and autonomy, bringing that back around to what I was saying earlier. And I think the the difference is that freedom is a life without chains and autonomy is a life without boundaries. And it's like, so I, you live in Canada, so I don't know, I don't know how this works for you, but I live in the U S and so we have freedom of speech here. We as well as freedom so, of speech, sort of. <laughs> yeah, I know there's some, yeah, there's some like, there's some stricter like hate speech laws in Canada. So I know that's a, that's a little bit trickier, a little bit different. We recently did in the have US, a pastor that was arrested for street preaching in the gay section of Toronto. Uh, there's kind of a section that's very, uh, homosexual. Uh, it's, it's considered like the gay village of Toronto. Um, uh, I've done huh. work there. Like I, Toronto's like hate street area. I got, I got hit on H A I G H T. Um, the what? Hate street, H A I G H T. That's a region of San Francisco, I think. That actually, actually, I got that from an Amber Lynn lyric. That might not be anywhere near where the gay community is okay. in San Francisco. <laughs> Again, Crap. Nashville boy always goes back Gosh, to music. They were a good band, man. Yeah, we were talking about freedom yes. of speech. Freedom so, of speech. <laughs> freedom of speech. Uh, so in the U.S., we have freedom of speech. It's a constitutional right. Um, not saying that that's all that different in Canada, but I don't live there. Um, and I, I don't know it. So here I can go out and I can picket something or I can tweet whatever I want and I can, I can say whatever the heck I please because I have freedom of speech. Only I can't because there are also laws on the books in the United States that say if I... <clears throat> If I go and de- 
like defame you and slander you and spread lies about you, even though, you know, those lies might be my opinion and I might believe them to be true, even if they're not factual. You know, if I, if I go spread a whole bunch of just, just social media venom or something, if I attack you personally, I can actually be convicted of slander. If I'm a journalist, I think it's called libel. Like it's, there's a specific law for like, if you're a journalist, you can't just spread crap about people. There's parameters for that as well. Like there are obviously freedom of speech gets a wide berth, but the point is that there is actually a boundary. We can't literally say whatever we want in this country and get away with it. There's actually a limit to where someone can say, Hey, actually, what you said publicly not only ruined my business, but it was a lie. Right. You know? And you can't just say whatever you want about people. You can't just spread lies about people. You can't just go and, like, ruin someone's business. And, like, if you create some sort of, like, campaign to get some restaurant shut down because you didn't like the way the guy looked at you, like, that's not going to hold up in court. And I... My my point is that autonomy is is like that belief that you can say whatever you want or you should be able to say whatever you want. And freedom is, I think, a more mature concept that understands that there's a lot we can say, but there's a reason we can't say whatever we want. There's a reason it's not 100% do whatever the heck you want. Right, and if as maturity comes, then you actually begin to realize that, um, you know, you can say whatever you want, but is it fruitful? Is it edifying? Is it actually beneficial? Um, does does it actually make sense? Right. Uh, there's some people who just say stuff. I think just to say stuff. They, <laughs> they remind me of of my five year old who's just trying out words. Not going to say the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> right. Wait, what? Just tries uh, sometimes out Sometimes he says stuff and I'm like, look like, okay, well, you, you use that word, but I don't think you know what that word means. Like <laughs> you, you keep using this word. I do not think it, I do not think it means what you think yeah, it means. Something like that. That sounds uh, like I'm pretty me. sure that's from like princess bride. Look at me getting movie references. Nailed it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Point for me. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so. I think that's kind of what postmodernism has ended up being is in a, in a society where we, we wrongly believe that freedom means being able to do whatever the heck we want. When in fact, being able to do whatever the heck we want creates anarchy and a world that isn't safe for anyone. And that actually having boundaries to what we're allowed to do creates safety that being the truth, I, I, I think that postmodernism has, has become, for those who don't recognize the safety of boundaries and haven't been taught that, postmodernism becomes a way of breaking out ideologically from the boundaries that are seen as constrictive. And I, and I think that, unfortunately, it seems like the church's response has been to... I, it's like that those two extremes, you know? It's like... For, for reasons that we will 
be unpacking over the course of the rest of the podcast. I, I think that basically the the fence and the boundary that the church is operating within is actually much smaller than the one that the Lord gives us. I think it has to do with the difference between the church and the kingdom. Right. And the fact that we're supposed to be playing in, in the kingdom spectrum right. and we've we've decided that it that it's it's God's kingdom. It's God's kingdom. And so he's going to grow his kingdom. But that's actually not what he said. Hmm. He said, I'll build my church. And he tells, tells us to grow the kingdom. And so we've been trying to build. Wow. The, we've been trying to grow uh, the church and leave the kingdom to him. Exactly. And the church actually is inside of the kingdom. But hmm. all of the church are... All of the kingdom is not in the church. True. Your comment about boundaries actually reminds me of a story I once heard of a study that was done where these school kids um, had a fence around their school and they were out playing in the playground. And they decided to take the fence down from around the school to encourage the kids to go out and play in, in the woods and stuff. And what they found was when they took the fence down, that the kids no longer wouldn't go to the edge of the fence. You know, a lot of times you see kids playing near the edge of the fence. They play right up against that fence. But that boundary, that fence, actually was also their protector because it kept what was in the woods out. And so when they took the fence down, the kids actually played closer to the buildings and didn't, didn't extend it, didn't, didn't try to, to play near the fence. They were more fearful mm-hmm. and didn't actually give them the freedom that they thought it would. And so what happens, I find, a lot of times is that in the Christian world, when we take down the fence, that, that there becomes an offense and then people are offended because there's not a fence of division. There's not the ability to actually play inside. There's no safety that they used to feel. Right, right. That's an interesting consequence of relative truth that actually um, somehow agreement is still the basis for relational connection. And suddenly that all seems a lot more complicated and more difficult to come by because everyone's ideologies are so tailored to their own whims. Yep. But I I do think that you're right that, that boundaries are important. And I, I think that it's it's important to say too that boundaries um boundaries are good not because and I and I think this is I think this is where we're we're towing a, a different line because I, I think that on the one side you have people saying boundaries are bad, I want to have freedom. I think on the other side, you have the church seems to be responding by saying boundaries are good because we are bad and, you know, we need to be like cut off from what we would most naturally do. And like, this isn't, it's a misunderstanding of our identity because when the, when, you know, the Bible says that we're a new creation in Christ, but we are setting up moral boundaries in order to police our flesh rather than let it die, then, then what is going on with our theology? So I think, that, I think that boundaries are good, but not for the reason that most people have been told boundaries are good, which is what I just articulated. I think, it's, I think the real reason that boundaries are good is that they create safety. 
and I, I think they they create good parameters within to within which to work, and they actually keep us from things that would be devastating to us. You know, it's like the Lord sets up boundaries. It's it's like that playground next to the woods. Like the Lord sets up this playground because he knows that the woods are full of like robbers and criminals who would take you and sell you into slavery. That's what sin does. It tries to take our lives captive and make us slaves and put us in chains. And the Lord has set up this boundary not to inhibit our ability to experience life, but to actually protect us from experiences that cause death. Right. It's a good word. And I think that on the one side, the church has this identity crisis where we don't know who we are. And so we're creating these overly strict boundaries in response to our flesh, which isn't where our identity lies and which is something we'll be unpacking for sure. And then on the other side, there is this thing of, well, if you're going to condemn me, then I'm just going to say, forget you and I'm going to do whatever I want. And the problem is that neither side really has a grasp of identity. Exactly. And so, we will continue to suss and discuss this and work our way through. I think Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to close this one out. Well, thanks for listening to part two of Postmodernism. Yeah, we hope you you got something out of our long discussion. We do apologize for this episode coming out a bit late, as uh, we had some technical issues with John's recording. After an hour of fooling with it, I finally decided we were just yeah. going to have to re-record these, this open and close. So, uh, it is what it is. Sometimes it happens. It was totally my fault. And sometimes it doesn't. No, there's that. We got it. So, yeah. And yep. I think... Uh, yep. At least he's being quiet. And now we're done. So. And Zach is just chilling in the background on his iPad, hanging out. Uh, Zach, Zach is Paul's five-year-old. Soon to be six-year-old. I learned that. Um, so I think, I think the only thing we, we had left to say was we could, uh, I don't know. Do what you do you mean? talk about the cultural perspective element or do you want to just lead in? Do you have the talking points notes up? I do not. <laughs> I'll just say it. <laughs> so there was, uh. One of the things that I thought of after we initially recorded that conversation is there is kind of this cultural element to postmodernism, or this element of postmodernism that views religion as cultural. That's what I meant. And so it's basically this idea that, um, kind of an extension of postmodernist thought, that like telling someone that their religion is wrong and yours is right is the same as, and it's just as silly as telling someone that their culture is wrong or their culture is right. And I think the really the reason that we didn't, address that in the conversation and the reason that we didn't come at that angle is mainly the fact that we don't view Christianity as a part of our culture. Um, that a lot of people are culturally Christian, but that's actually something I think we're trying to address. And, and what we're talking about here is, is Christianity is something that is highly relational. And that is kind of where we're pivoting to next. And we're going to be talking in the next episode about the personhood of God. And I'm probably just going to leave that, that title there hanging and we'll unpack it later. But basically the purpose of that 
is to start unpacking what does it mean to say that Christianity is highly relational? Um, because and I grew up being culture. told a lot that Christianity is uh, is a re- it's not a religion; it's a relationship. Um, but the personhood of God is actually something that helped me really understand what that meant, and so that's why we're taking it there. So, cultural idea of like religion as culture is not really something we are adhering to in our perspective of Christianity, and that's why it didn't show up in our discussion of postmodernism. And that's actually kind of if you're wondering about that, and then really our our alternate perspective as far as how it's highly relational is going to be something that we're going to be unpacking for the rest of the podcast, but starting very specifically on in the next one. And how would you define culture just so that, uh, I mean, cause culture, I guess can espouse multiple aspects and there is, you know, Christianity by default, uh, does affect our culture and does affect who we are. So how are you defining culture in this aspect in that we are choosing not to, we're not, we're saying that Christianity, uh, and culture are separate. Right. Um, and the, weirdly, and this is where it gets complicated, is because they, they do interplay. Like uh, in the U.S., a northern Christian and a southern Christian are going to have some real different views. Um, but I think that your culture is like what is seen as normal in the society that you're in. And even like what is seen as uh, moral or immoral, it's um, culture is going to be a lot of like things that people collectively understand and agree upon um, in a given geographic area or demographic or ethnicity. Uh, there's a lots of different like aspects, you know, markers that, that can define a culture. Like there's like cold climate cultures and hot climate cultures have, will have very different perspectives on, this is something that's even been kind of researched a little bit, uh, different perspectives on punctuality and things like that. It's true. And um, like if you've been to someplace like the Caribbean or something, you, you've probably experienced what island time is. And for Westerners who are cold climate culture people, I, island, like island time is not a thing. It's, you know, three, three, three o'clock is three o'clock, you know. Well, I mean, or, and, or you work in Toronto, like, you know, which is the North and you have friends that are all Caribbean and they just come and go as they please kind of thing. Um, right. Yeah. Their punctuality like, is really not. A, because it's in their culture, and they brought it north right. with them. <laughs> right. So it's like a cultural more is like a norm, or like this is what is accepted. And I think so. What I'm what I'm saying is like for a lot of people, Christianity is just something that was part of the culture that they grew up in. Where like in the same way that it was either acceptable to you know, get there when you get there, or it was acceptable to always be five minutes early to everything. It was, you know, acceptable to go to church and to sing songs to Jesus, or, you know, not acceptable not to, or it was literally just not a part of their life at all. And that's no different than someone who was raised in India, who was raised Hindu, for whom what was culturally acceptable and expected was to go to church and, and worship. I am blanking on the names of any Hindu deities right now, but obviously not Jesus. Someone, there'd be someone different in that case. <laughs> right. And, 
my thought is that Christianity is not only something more than, but something completely other than what... Just a cultural experience. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely more to it, which is why we're here to unpack that. Right. So, yeah, we'll get, we'll definitely delve more into that next week. But that, I think, is kind of, kind of the idea that I'm looking at. And uh, we're going to kind of start um, looking at some of the foundational ideas that support what, what I, what, how I'm defining Christianity apart from that cultural definition. And with that, we hope you enjoyed this message by John and Paul. And Zach. And I, Don't forget Zach. And, and Zach. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, get, shoot us an email if you like what uh, you're hearing. It is Identify Podcast Identify 2019 podcast. at gmail.com is our email. Or you can like or subscribe. Mm-hmm to the podcast and with that we'll talk to you again in two weeks